Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. I am Brian. I, I oversee all of the youth here, and so I, I just have a deal to make with you guys, okay? If it's not good, come back next week, all right? And if it's good, come back next week still, okay? Um, what, what a great uh, weekend it is, and um, well, one thing for us I feel like can be a trend whenever it's a combined service is we can begin to think about one, one thing, and that is lunch, right? You're already thinking of the spot, but let's just try to engage the best that, that, that we can here. I want to share um, a story with you guys, but I first want to give a quick report about beach camp. We went about two weeks ago, had a great time, uh, with the exception of Tropical Storm Cindy. If your name is Cindy, I'm sorry, but we were very upset with you. Very upset with you. In fact, we had double red flags all week, which means you cannot swim, which begs the question, define swimming. (laughs) Define swimming. I voted that it meant your feet came off the ground and that if we walked in the gulf up to like our knees or so, that that's not swimming. So we convinced our kids on, two, on, two, on Tuesday in the midst of the rain. Um, it, it was not a storm at that, at that point, just some rain. Let's just go walk along the gulf, footprints in, in, in the sand type vibe. And um, I don't know what possessed us or who began it, but all of a sudden we started to tackle each other into the surf. Also, just a spirit of baptism came on us, and just as waves came, just slammed, and, and a few devils came out as we just held them down, it, and it was great. It was great until the cops came. I won't say what I did. I just yelled out, I'm not made for jail, and I ran away. True story. True story. They, they weren't upset with us. They thought someone was pulled out to, to see. And so uh, on Thursday, we did the same, the, same, the same thing again, just the spirit of baptism and praying for the lost kids at that camp. And, and then the, be, uh, the cops came for real. So we just kind of looked at them because we were amidst a larger group, um, all in the uh, surf, breaking the law. Um, as in one accord, and the cop pulls up, and we all kind of look at him, and then he hits his lights, and then we all back out of the surf and just sit on the edge. Then he, go, he, go, he goes down, gets to the next group, and then when he was out of, mostly out of sight, we just got right back in and just had a great time. But thank you so much for your prayers and support. It was a great week. We had a chance to join about 350 other uh, teens and adults there, and just was a really great uh, time. And so really just was thrilled and had fun. Uh, The drive home was not so fun. Thank you, Cindy. Um, was not too fun, but it, it was a great week. Well, um, today uh, we're, I'm going to share on see 
hear, and move. And, and kind of a thought that I've had is how do we remain dependent in a, cu- in a culture of independence? I'm so glad to be a part of this nation, and, and I love the fact that we love to be free. We, we don't like to be told what to do, <laughs> like on the Gulf. We don't like to, we don't care about red flags. We just care about to do what we want to do. Um, and, but with our, our faith, we are set free from sin, but yet we have to learn to rely on Christ and kind of lean in on him. And the key for us is not to lean in on him just when things get tough but to have a lifestyle where we lean on him and are dependent on, on him. And so that's what I kind of want to share on today. I want to catch you up to speed on a story that we will look at today. It's a story that uh, even those who um, are not church would know of a bit. And it's the story of, of Moses and Egypt. And so I just want to catch you up to speed before we get into it um, in the book of beginnings in Genesis, uh, we, we find the creation of the world. And then at the end, there's a great, fam- uh, great famine in all, all, all the land. And a, char- a character comes up by the name of Joseph. And in, in the middle of really di- di- uh, difficult circumstances, he was betrayed. All of those things, God put him in a position of power in Egypt uh, to help take care of the Israelites when the, fam- the famine came. You, you all know this story. Well, in Exodus, um, something begins to change, and, and the person in power in Egypt uh, does not know of Joseph. That's what the scripture says. He doesn't know him. So he doesn't really seem to care as much about the Israelites and all that Joseph had done for them. And in fact, the Israelites began to grow and increase in number. In fact, it says that the more they were oppressed, the more kids they had. Let's just say it this way. They were very efficient at reproduction and they just wouldn't be stopped no matter what occurred. The efficiency was unreal. Unreal. That's a great way to grow a church too. Be efficient. Um, but they had, they had kids, but they started to outgrow those in Egypt. And if, if you're an, Egypt, an Egyptian, you're getting a bit concerned. There's an incoming group that's starting to outnumber you. Numbers, war, the fear of that they would o- overtake the land. So this Pharaoh, in, a, in a, a horrific decree, begins to order the um, Egyptian midwives that when they birth, when the Israelite women birth a boy, it is to be killed. It is to be killed. If it's a girl allowed to live, but a boy must be killed. What's interesting is that it says in Scripture that the Israelite women were unreal. They would birth those kids so fast that the midwives didn't have a chance yet to, and to uh, carry out that decree. And in comes a little baby named Moses. And he was born in the middle of a great genocide in the nation, in the country of Egypt. And his mom and dad, like most of us, if we had a newborn, would say, isn't he the most attractive boy you have ever seen? And in fact, in Scripture, it says that he was and that they hid him for a number of months. Well, some time passed and he began to grow and they could not hide him anymore. So in an act of desperation, 
in an act of desperation, they put him in a ba- uh, basket with uh, tar and pitch. And, and, and God's providence, it's not really explained how, but ends up on the shore of Pharaoh's house. Isn't it unreal that oftentimes God's plan for us is not away from harm, but right in the face of it? Not away, right in the face of it. And so Pharaoh had a little girl, and she opened up the basket, saw this child, and said what every girl has said to their dad every day since, can I keep it, please? Dads, you know, this is why at Walmart, when you see a truck and it says free cats, you go nowhere near it. You go nowhere near it. Nowhere. Because you do not want to be asked that. So we find that Moses, he he grows up in this household. Think about it. An Israelite in Pharaoh's house. I bet you that was a different lifestyle than what the Israelites would have had. An unsaved king, money, slaves, all of these things. And yet an Israelite gets to grow up in the midst of it. Well, some time had passed. And one day Moses, it doesn't really say when, but he was out in um, taking a walk or who, who knows. And he sees an Egyptian beginning to beat an Israelite. And he looks around and he said, this is my time to bring about change. And he kills the Egyptian. You know this part of the story as well. He does something. He may have looked good. I don't think he was that bright. Because he buried him in sand. I mean, if he had Siri, I mean, he would have at least known somewhere else to go than, than sand. I find it interesting as well. I, I, I can't prove it, but I feel like he always had a desire to do something to help set them free. But in his own strength, it, it ended up he murdered someone and set free no one. In his own strength. Well, another day or so passing, he sees two Israelites and they've begun to uh, fight. And he gets on to them saying, are you not brothers? And they said, so are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And fear overtook his heart and the concern that what he had done would be found, found out. So he runs away. He runs away. Out of a great household where he would lack nothing and was on the run. Eventually, as he's away, he uh, meets his wife and father-in-law and begins to work for him, begins to watch sheep. What a great job. What a great job. I feel like that's a lot of youth world, just watching sheep. Stay away from there. Come over here. Be back to the bus in 15 minutes, or else I will shut those doors and we will drive away just to teach you a lesson. You laugh. So he is watching sheep. Some time begins to pass, and um, he's walking around, and he finds a bush that uh, began to, to burn. And this may have not been an uncommon sight, because it wasn't the fact that the bush burned that drew him in. It was the fact that the bush burned but didn't burn up something weird. And he's like, what in the world is this? So he begins to approach it. And the voice of God speaks out from the bush. 
I'm just saying, if that occurs to you, I would be a, li- a bit scared. So we find in Exodus 3, he's right there at the burning bush. And in verse 5, it says, do not cl- come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is, whole, is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of I, uh, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. In verse 7, it reads this, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Not just to get them out of there, but and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. As you skip to verse 9, verse 9 says this, and now the cry, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Today, we're not going to go into all of the plagues and parting of the Red Sea and all of God's provision. I want you to just stop and, and, and look at a few things because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, char- the character of God you can trust because it doesn't change. It doesn't change. So then the first one is that our God sees. Our God sees. If you look at, again in the first part of verse 7 and the, la- the last part of verse 9, it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. It's not only true for them, it's also true for us that God is acutely aware of you. Acutely. He's perceptive and seeing exactly where you are at. See, for some in the room, God is aware of the lack in your your bank account. God sees the issues you have in your marriage. For some of the more young in the room, some of the youth, God sees the household you are in and how difficult it is. He sees it. There is nothing that he does not see. There's nothing that he does not see. He is acutely aware of you. He's seeing right where you are at. My friend and I were at, at, the, um, at, at the beach. We, we did a a trip in um, Southern California. It was a, min- a ministry trip. Um, we suffered hard for the Lord in Southern California. In fact, I was with my best friend, the, the, the guy who spoke at our re- retreat the last two years for the youth, just a great fr- uh, friend of mine. And we were at this point where something occurred to us and we didn't know if anyone else had seen what just occurred. Have you ever ha- had this occur in your life? It may be someone on, on the road acting insane or you're in a store. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying. So here's what, here's what occurred. We're suffering for the Lord along the boardwalk. <laughs> suffering hard. Walking and laughing and just, be, just being goofs and out of nowhere. It was like a blur. I witnessed a man on rollerblades. He was wearing a Walkman, old school tech now, no shirt, 
long hair, and short jorts, jean shorts, jorts. It was a blur. But all I recall is he came right around us and he turned around and started to skate backwards as he watched us. He started to dance and sing the song and point at us. And then he jumped with both feet, turned back back around and took off. I spit out my drink, <laughs> laughing, and Darius as well, who, if you've ever been around him, is as loud as you can get, just started to laugh. But we immediately looked for someone else who witnessed what we just went through. Our eyes are scarred. We're, we're, we've begun to cry. I mean, those jorts were like, you could see almost the pockets you know, some of these girls do that, but this was a guy with long, with long hair and no shirt. I will say, I recall, he was ripped, but no one wanted to see that. And we looked to the left, and we saw a group of folks, and they began to laugh. And we were just like, did you just see that? Did he just do what we thought he did? And it was funny how for us, we had to have someone else kind of witness what occurred. I'm so glad they were not on their phones, because if they were, they would have missed the sight of the century. I bet you this guy has like a, a YouTube account or Instagram of times where he just scares folks. But um, we oftentimes, we go through life and we wonder, does God see it? Does God see it? Did he see just what occurred to me? It was a blur. Did God see it? And it it brings us to a thought um, that I've kind of thought about a lot this week is that God is not distracted by a smartphone or Netflix like we are. You know, like when you go out to eat and you look around and everyone's on their phones and, and, and it may be that they're playing a game. It could be that they're, try, they're trying to look up something or who knows. But they're not aware of anything going on. God, God is aware. And he sees. And he sees right where you are at. He's aware. But God goes beyond, beyond that as well. And he's a God who, who hears He's a God who hears. If we look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, kind of the last part again, it says, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. You know, it's kind of, there's, um, I think it's Richard Foster. He writes a lot of spiritual disciplines and kind of a, um, spir- a spiritual health guy. And he writes about that every one of us at one point in our life will go through what he calls a dark night of the soul. That one night or that one instant where no one else is around and life got real, real quick. It got real. You got scared. You know what's interesting though? Even if no one else is around, God's there. He hears you. He hears you. Listen, when you drive on this road, he hears you as you cry out for them to just go home and park the car and never drive again. He hears you. But God is aware. God is aware. I was in the, se- the seventh grade once, um, just one time. You know, I got through it in a year, just making it clear. 
At this point in my life, we just moved to a new state, and uh, I was in a class, and I, I began to have an issue with my speech where I could not be as fluent with my words. I don't know what's occurring right, right now, but I'll take it. Um, but there was times where it was, it was, quite, it was quite bad. It was the, the second worst it had been in my life, the worst being when I was 18 or 19. But at this point, I was in school, and Kyle and Mark began to make fun of me. So here's the deal. I, just need, I need to just set the scene. Um, if you can't talk, what do you do if someone makes fun of you? You fight them. I'm like four foot six. I'm like as tall as their, li- their little sister is and about as strong. And so I couldn't defend myself. I remember I looked to, to the right and there was an English teacher in the class. I was so relieved. An adult heard my, my situation and he looked up looked at the kids, looked at me, and went back to work. Mr. Feeney. Never liked him a minute. I still don't know what I learned. I just know I was in his class. You know, God doesn't just see and hear. He's concerned. Isn't that interesting? He's not distracted at all. He's concerned. He's concerned for you, even when you're in the seventh grade and you can't defend yourself and you can't fight for yourself. There's a psalm, and one thing I, lo- I like about the psalms is um, it doesn't really seem to have a large agenda in the psalms. It's just really, it's just from the heart, right? It's just a lot of, um, I view it more as lyrics from kind of a song, and sometimes we can find ourselves beginning to relate. relate. It's kind of like a T. Swift song. All right, you can just, everyone can relate at some point. Taylor Swift, if you guys meant whatever. <laughs> Psalm 10, 17 and 18 says this, You, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never strike terror will never again strike terror. Oh, you, O oh Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. And you listen to their cry. You defend them. See, uh, uh, again, a good thought for us just to take to heart is God is actively listening to you. Again, he's not distracted. He's fully attentive. If you were with him at a, at a Starbucks, or if you don't like that, a Dunkin' Donuts He would take his phone and turn it upside down and fully engage with you. It could buzz. He's not going to even flinch. He's watching. He's aware. It's a great God we serve. He's aware. He's concerned. He's interested. He hears your, your, your cries. For some, you have been praying and cry and crying out about a situation. Don't stop. God hear, he hears you. He hears you. There may be no other, per, other person that has heard you, but he has. Take heart with that. And he's concerned. Well, it's all good. He loves to uh, listen and watch. But sometimes you hope there's some action, right? You hope. And that's the one thing that I like is that our God moves. He's not a passive God. He moves. So he, he sees where you're at, he hears what's going on, 
And then he's moved in concern so much so that he begins to move. He begins to move. If we look back at Exodus 3 again, it says this in verse 8. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. Verse 10 says, so now go. I am sending you to, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. For God, seeing plus hearing is God moving on behalf of his people. Seeing plus hearing equals God moving on your behalf. We'll, we'll get to one of these points in a minute. Notice how he said he would come down, but he was also sending someone. For some of you, you're not in a spot where you really are in a spot of need. Maybe the call for you today is to move on someone's behalf, on his behalf. We need to recall that God is not caught by the bystander effect. The bystander effect. This was most seen in the 1960s in New York. I've only been there once. And uh, in New York this year, I think it was 1964, there was over 600 people killed that year. Which is unreal, but there is one story that that stands out from them all has really affected that city still to this day. In 1964, a gal was on her way home from work, and unfortunately, someone who intended her harm began to kill her. And her voice went out to cry out for help. People witnessed it. In fact, the, re- the report says that over 34 people watched or heard her pleas for help and did nothing. It's called the bystander effect. It's someone else will. And it it shook up that part of New York. Of of 600 murders that year, this one stands out because someone saw and heard but did not move. In fact, they believe if they just made a call, as soon as they heard a cry for help, she should have lived. She should have lived. God's not caught by that. Listen, there's some of us here that go, okay, God hears, but I haven't seen him move. So he must not have moved. Think about this, though. The Israelites are still slaves. They're still crying out. It's still unfair. They're still having to work. It's not a fair situation. But yet God began to move. Were they aware that he began to move yet? No. Does that change the fact that he did move? He was moving on their behalf before they even knew he was moving on their behalf. For some of us, we're caught in the time in between. Take heart in knowing that God is moving on your behalf. He's moving. You may not see it. You may not know it. You may not be aware of it. You may not feel like he is. In fact, you may not even feel like you've been heard, but he has heard you and he's begun to move. If you're okay, I want to share a story from my own life. Is that okay? So I was young. I was uh, just moved to the Pacific Northwest, and um, I thankfully got on at a large church. I was part, part, part part-time doing essentially like a 6.8 role. And it it was good, you know, it was, but the church wasn't really, 
a good fit for us. It was a great church. No, but it just wasn't. And what was weird about this role for me is that you signed on for a year. You could sign on for one more year. And after that, you had to leave for the 6.8 role. Very weird to me. I've never heard it or seen it before, but hey, it was a check and an experience. And it was just a good, a good way for me to grow. So we took the job. About a year into this role, we were like, okay, we need to find something. And Chris and I just got married in July. We um, worked three jobs combined, three part-time jobs combined with one car. And so, and she would have to close a gym alone at night, super unsafe, really. So I would go there at, mid, at, mid, at midnight, walk her through the gym. Not like I could really help, but, you know, at least I'm someone that can try you know, I did yell at some uh, Russians once. That is true. I told them, I said, get out of here. And they did. I was so impressed. <laughs> I think it was because I had the, the glare of my dad, who was a chief in the Navy, a senior chief in the Navy. He just had that glare, and I just got it on. And it was a hu- 155 pounds. You know, I wasn't going to do much. But then I'd have to wake up and go to work at a coffee shop at 5 or 4 a.m. And it was just really a, t- a t- t- tough time. And in my heart, I really want, I wanted to serve full time. It wasn't that, part, that being part time was a less than role. It was just in my heart, I wanted to just go all for it. Have a group that was my own that I could just be involved with. And so um, at, at this one church, um, things just began to be clear that we needed to leave soon. That's all I'll say. And um, so I began to look online at, ch- at churches that are, ki- are like ours, and I looked to see what staff they, they would have. And so I found, I found one. They had a lead guy, associate guy, a worship, and a kids, and I think another associate, but no youth. So I send in my stuff. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Spatz. Here's what I've done. Here's my uh, picture. I also applied at a multi-site church because they had a guy at their main site, but you never know. You know, you could find a job. Well, I got got a call from a 206 number, and that's right in a Seattle shore, shore line, which kind of clear that, okay, this might be that church. And I get a call, and her name was Laura, the assistant for the lead pastor at a church I just randomly sent in my stuff to and she said he'd love to meet you I was like well praise God because I need a job and so I said that sounds good you know and then we found a time I show up and it was the lead guy associate guy and worship guy I'm still dealing with some of my speech stuff so that gets me a little bit more more scared you're being it's kind of like an inquisition with three instead of one you have no time to eat you're about to puke because of your nerves, right? I mean, it's just, it's one of those times you're like, oh my Lord, I want this so bad. And they said, how did you hear about us? I said, I didn't. Um, I looked online and it, you guys had a big staff and no one to do youth. I figured either the guy was just brought, brought, brought on or just fired. And um, unfortunately, he was fired. And so... Um, and they said, well, that's really interesting. Again, I'm praying about a role. We are in a spot of need, Lord. Like, I mean, there was a lot that went into that. But it was a time at which you're like, God, like, I need you to pull through. I know I'm called. I need a door. This is like circa 2010, 
2011. The Great Recession's over. We're in the Northwest. There's not a lot of churches up there. And there's not a lot of spirit-filled ones up there. In fact, most of them have a rainbow flag out front. Like, I'm not going to work there. I want to work for a church that believes God's word. And so um, they say, well, that's, that's interesting. So you're, you're saying to us, you have not heard of this role. I said, no. And they said, well, do you know a guy named Phil? I said, Phil Manginelli? They said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, well, we wrote, we wrote him three weeks ago. Our worship guy is his best friend. And we asked him if he knew a guy part-time wanting to go full-time. And I said, oh, okay. Like, I know Phil. I love the guy. Uh, and they said he only sent a text back with one name, and it was your name. I said, well, Hello. <laughs> And I kind of sat there shocked because they asked him, a part-time guy going full-time, sent back my name about two or three weeks before. I write them just to throw out a net, just see if I can get a fish. And th- it, it, it really was a surreal moment as we sat there and said, God must be in this. It didn't mean it was the best church to always work at. Didn't mean there was not pain along the way and growing pains and all, all this stuff. Remember, the guy was let go before, so there was kind of a mess to clean. But God opened up a door and moved on my behalf before I even was aware of it. Before I was even aware of it, God began to, to put together each piece and make it work. And, and it's still one of those things that fills me with faith. That even when I'm unaware of what God is up to, he is aware and he knows what he is doing. God actively demonstrates his love for you. He's not all talk and no show. He's talk and show. And you will find at times in your life, even if you're getting up there in age, even if you're just new to the faith, even if you're just like in the fifth or sixth grade in here, you will find that God will move on your behalf even when you're unaware. And that should fill us up with some faith, knowing that he is good and his heart is for you. It's not against you. It's not against you. It's for you. He cares for us. I'm going to vide up Nick as we close. Um, so our response, you know, it's great. It's time to eat soon. <laughs> but we would be, it would be wrong, it would be wrong of us to show up, do our combined service and leave without a time to respond. Without a time to respond. Not just, I, I, I pray this, that Lord, that we don't just um, hear what you have to say, but Lord, it would hit our hearts. If it hits our hearts, it'll change what, what, what we do with our hands and our feet. That God wants us to, to not just come and hang out, enjoy some songs, and then leave and go out to eat. I'm all about going out to eat. But listen, God has a work he wants to do. In preparing for this, I really, I wanted to speak on this, but I was like, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of dumb. See, hear, move. Wow. So smart. Good Good job, Spats. You know, way to go. But I felt like that, that was for someone here. 
that God sees you right where you are at. You can be in this crowd and no one else even knows your name or that you're here, but God knows. For some, it's been on the car rides home where you've just asked God, Lord, open up a door for a different job. I'm sick of this drive. Lord, I need, I need a job that can provide for my needs. And yet there's still some that are caught in the space be, between where you know God moves, but you haven't yet seen it. Hold on. Hold on. So we have two options in our response. One is to know that God is moving on your, on your behalf for your benefit. Thank God. And just rest in that. I pray that you would just go home and just have a sense of peace about whatever's been, been on your mind, just has taken over your thoughts and has begun to steal your, your joy, that you just take heart in knowing that God is moving on your behalf. He is. It's true. Or you're here and you go, man, life's great. Maybe God is saying he wants you to move on his behalf for someone else. Moses was free. He was free, but yet he was called to go back. He didn't grow up with them. In fact, they were mean to him, saying, are you going to kill us like, like you did? The, like they, they, they weren't, on, but God said, I need you to go. I'm going to do some things. You needed to do some things, but the first step is just to show up and get in a position to be used by him. And we know the rest of the story, a great miracle occurs. They're set free. And then he, wa- he wanders around the wilderness like he did his sheep for all of those years. God can even take those seasons that are mundane to prepare you for what he has next. So if you're caught in the mundane, the everyday, the this is boring part. It's not like my friend's Instagram account. It's not like their Facebook page. Maybe God has begun to do a work in you now when no one else is around so that when you have to step up, you know how to. I want to read a psalm and then I'll pray. And this is a psalm that uh, really just stood out to me. And I'm going to... I'm going to read this. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can turn there if you want or just hear my voice. It's Psalm 34. Verse 1, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called him and the Lord heard him. And he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Notice he's not just moving, he's taking action to help. He's not just hearing, he's also moving. Verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my chill, my children, listen 
to me. I will, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 12 says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on you. His ears attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close. The Lord is close to the broken hearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close. A righteous man, verse 19, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. The fact that we know the Lord does not mean we're exempt, but it does mean we're not alone. And he's going to move. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Psalm 34. You're here with every eye closed and head bowed and you're at this point in your life where you need God. um, You need God to move on your behalf. I want you just to begin to pray and just ask God, Lord, just give me grace in this time and patience Lord, to trust you. Listen, the key of our faith is not doing more. It's learning to trust him more. So Lord, we pray for those here, God, that are in in the place in between. Lord, they have yet to see your hand move, yet they know that you are. So Lord, I join them in faith. And Lord, I, I just declare, Lord, wherever they are at, Lord, you will see them through. Lord, the season they're in now is not the season they are staying in, but Lord, you're going to move on their behalf. You hear their cries. You see them right where they are at. When no one else is around, Lord, you are there. Lord, you are close. Lord, you're close. So Lord, we pray for those here, Lord, that you would fill them with faith. Lord, they would, that, that they would be full of faith. Lord, learning to depend on you in a culture of independence. Lord, we say no to that. And Lord, we say yes to depending on you. Lord, you're our source and our strength. Lord, there's some here that um, are in a spot, Lord, where, where they are seeing and hearing and they need to move on someone's behalf. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom and insight, Lord, to know what to say and what to do. Lord, I I pray as they take steps of faith, Lord, as Moses did, Lord, faults and all, Lord, he didn't have the right speech, Lord, he didn't grow up an Israelite, Lord, he had every excuse in the book, but Lord, you still called him. So Lord, I pray that for us, Lord, we would see things with your eyes. Lord, when we're at work, Lord, we would have a response that reflects your heart. Lord, when we hear things, Lord, amongst our peers, our friends, or those that are in our home, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would have insight, Lord, to know how to pray and how to lift them up in their time of need. Lord, I also pray that you give us wisdom to know how to move. 
Lord, if you've called us to move on someone's behalf, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and insight, Lord, because you're good. Lord, you're good and you desire good things for us. And Lord, you desire to use us. So Lord, on this July 2nd day, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would use us. Use us. Lord, I give you thanks for each one here. Lord, I pray that these words would just go beyond the ears. And Lord, they'd affect our hearts. Lord, they would affect the way that, that we walk this thing out. They would affect the way that we see our world. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as this, this was shared, Lord, I pray that, that they would have hearts to receive and, Lord, hands and feet to obey what you have for them. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.